We also find there is a large body, a segment of the church that looks into prophecies, prophecies that have been given to us in the word of God. And now looking at the events that's going on in our world today, taking the prophetic word of God and trying to line it up with the events that we see happening in our world today that most likely are a prelude to the second coming of Jesus Christ to prepare people for the coming of Jesus Christ, especially that you may prophesy. Welcome to The Cleansing Word. We invite you to stay with us as Pastor John Pinnell of Calvary Chapel Lake Villa takes us through a verse-by-verse study from God's Word. Each Monday through Friday, we'll be airing messages to encourage you in your faith that you might grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I hope that you enjoy this broadcast, and I'll return at the close of this teaching to give you more information about our church and how you can obtain a copy of this message. Now here's Pastor John with today's message from God's Word. Today we're looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verses 1 through 19. And I want to tell you up front, I wrote this to Kevin and my son because I send them my message Kevin because he's working, and uh, my son because I want him to have it. So I script out the message, and uh, I send it to him. And I wrote a note saying that the whole time I've been in this chapter, I've been thinking of my dad because he used to use verse 19 as a proof point as to why he did not, as a Baptist, speak in tongues. But I also know that my dad misrepresented the verse when he did that, and uh, pulled it out of context, totally out of context, to use that force of support. But I remember my dad often saying it from the pulpit. I guess he needed to reinforce why the Baptists didn't speak in tongues. And that is not what Paul is dealing with here. What he is dealing with is the worship service in general. They had gotten a number of things out of sync in the worship service, and it was troubling to Paul. He had received a letter and he was actually answering questions in regards to some of the things that have been going on at the church and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. He's dealt with them. Now we have entered the third chapter, chapters 12 through 14. He deals with the function of the gifts of the Holy Spirit within the body of Christ. And so it was an issue there in Corinth. And apparently There was an issue with the gifts of tongues, and it had brought to a place of confusion, and he wanted to kind of set things straight. So I titled today's message, Edification, Exhortation, and Comfort. We're going to look at 1 Corinthians 14, verses 1 through 19. And as Paul had concluded his great classic discourse about agape, about love, there in 1 Corinthians 13, He continues his instructions here. 
and the gifts of the Holy Spirit, their function within the church of Jesus Christ. And today we'll discover that all spiritual gifts are useful when they are used in their proper setting. And our spiritual gifts should not bring confusion, but they should bring edification, exhortation, and comfort. And so we're going to see that today. We have three points in our message. First, we're going to look at verses 1 through 5, desire spiritual gifts. Verses 6 through 12, speak distinctly. I need to hear that one just to speak better myself. And then uh, the final verses 13 through 19, praying with the spirit and with understanding. So I'm going to go ahead and read our first point, verses 1 through 5, and just ask God to bless this teaching. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1, he says, Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. For he who speaks in tongues does not speak to men, but to God. For no one understands him. However, in the spirit, he speaks mysteries. But he who prophesies speaks edification, exhortation, and comfort to men. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. I wish you all spoke with tongues, but even more that you prophesied. For he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks with tongues, unless indeed he interprets, and that the church may receive edification. And so, Father, we do pray that you would bless the teaching of your word. And we thank you, Lord, for this day that we've been able to gather together as the body of Christ here in the sanctuary of our church. Lord, it's been a while. I pray that your spirit would be among us, that you would just breathe peace upon our hearts. Help us to hear from you, that which his spirit is speaking to the church, this church, this day we pray. In the name of Jesus, amen. So he, he says to pursue love. He begins again. He just finished the classic discourse, as I said, on love in 1 Corinthians 13. And he picks up, before he moves on, he tells us that we should pursue love. It is a word that speaks about moving quickly toward or energetically toward some object. The object is love. We are to pursue love. And Paul uses it here to instruct the church to pursue agape. Remember, agape is that giving love that expects nothing in return. And we're to pursue it with both speed and energy. And then he says to desire spiritual gifts. The Greek word that speaks about desire, it has this sense of having this zeal for, to be zealous toward spiritual gifts. He's asking us to have this zeal towards spiritual gifts. We should have this hunger, this striving to discover the giftings that the Lord has given us. And then once we discover those giftings, to actually use them and to grow them, to improve upon them, I believe that the Lord gifts us. Sometimes there is a word of knowledge. Knowledge comes from the Lord that is apart from our intellect or any studies that we may have. Sometimes that knowledge is a combination of the Lord kind of pulling the things that we have studied together and giving us clarity in a single moment. But 
We are not only to be zealous for or zealous toward spiritual gifts, we're to pursue them, to yearn for these spiritual gifts that we might use them. But he said, especially that you should prophesy, that we should prophesy. It signifies the speaking forth of the word of God to speak forth the mind and the counsel of God to others. Now, we can do that as we're doing here in the pulpit by proclaiming the word of God, by teaching the word of God. This is part of the gift of prophecy. Of course, we understand prophecy today speaks also about the Lord giving someone a word concerning a mystery that had not yet been revealed. And that can happen. It's valid to this day as well. But we also find there is a large body, a segment of the church that looks into prophecies, prophecies that have been given to us in the word of God. And now looking at the events that's going on in our world today, taking the prophetic word of God and trying to line it up with the events that we see happening in our world today, that most likely are a prelude to the second coming of Jesus Christ to prepare people for the coming of Jesus Christ, especially that you may prophesy. I don't know if you've prayed about spiritual gifts before, but I kind of think in the back of our minds, Lord, give me the gift of service. Give me the gift of encouragement. Maybe we kind of pray for the what we view as some of the easier service gifts But Lord, give me the gift of prophecy. I want to stand up and say, thus says the Lord and have you speak through my mouth. And I can tell you that there have been times where the Lord has taken control of my thought. He's not doing that right now, but taking control of my thought and my words. And I have realized that what is coming out of me is not from me, that it's from the Lord totally Uh, a moment of prophecy that the Lord can give to someone when you're seeking to be used by him, but especially that you would prophesy. Seemingly here in the church of Corinth, the gift of tongues was the desired gift. And Paul was not opposed to tongues, but he said the gift of prophecy was more beneficial for the edification of the church. Remember, he said in 1 Corinthians 2.13, These things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. That the Holy Spirit is the one instructing us, especially that we might prophesy that it could be for the church, edification, exhortation, and comfort. And we have this tongues versus prophecies in verses 3 and 4 where he says, he who prophesies speaks edification, exhortation, comfort to men. He who speaks in tongues edifies himself, and he who prophesies edifies the church. And so we have those who speak forth this prophecy, speaking forth a mystery, something that God reveals to us in his word. It's something that is beyond human understanding. It comes by revelation of God. He who prophesies when God brings revelation to the body, he said it brings edification to the church. That word for edification, it speaks about to build up. And we can think about building a house or a building. 
building up someone in their life, giving them understanding, bringing edification. And as believers, our goal should be to build up one another, not to tear them down, but to edify, to build them up in their faith, to exhort, to encourage. It's actually a Greek word that um, I've used quite a bit. It's just a, a slight variation of how it's spelled. Paracletus is the Greek word that when Jesus said, I shall send another comforter, Paracletus, one who comes alongside, he's speaking of the Holy Spirit. This is Paraclesis, just a slight variation of the spelling of the word. And again, it's a calling near. The exhortation gives this sense of coming alongside someone to encourage them, to admonish them, to bring exhortation, and also to speak comfort to someone. It speaks about consolation or comfort, but with this greater degree of tenderness to give an understanding. So tongues versus prophecy. Paul said here that tongues speak to God. The person who's speaking in tongues, he is speaking to God. But the person who is prophesying, he speaks to men. He's speaking to the body. The person who is speaking in tongues, he speaks mysteries, those things that have not yet been revealed by God. The one who prophesied, he speaks edification, exhortation, and comfort to the body. The person who uses tongues, it edifies the speaker, the individual. But unless there's interpretation, no one else is edified. The one who speaks prophecy, he edifies the church. And so the Bible tells us in Ephesians 4, verses 11 and 12, and he gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. God has given us these various offices within the church through the giftings of the Holy Spirit that the church itself could be equipped for the work of ministry and edified in the body of Christ. So we're to bring edification to the church. As Paul said in verse 5, I wish you all spoke with tongues. But even more that you prophesied. For he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks with tongues, unless indeed he interprets that the church may receive edification. So Paul's desire for the whole church is that they would have both the gift of tongues and the gift of prophecy. Paul practiced, as we understand in the epistles, Paul practiced both gifts himself. But personally, he saw greater value with the gift of prophecy when it came to ministering to others in the body of Christ, whether in the church or outside of the church. He saw the gift of prophecy of greater value because it brought, again, edification, exhortation, and comfort to the hearers. It appears, though, that the first century church experienced a similar issue that we often find within the church of the 21st century. That is, when the gift of tongues is exercised within the congregation, I've discovered this, oftentimes there is no interpreter, and without an interpreter, then the speaker only edifies himself or herself but Paul desired that the whole church would receive edification, exhortation, and comfort. 
In Hebrews 10, 24 and 25, he said, Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much more as you see the day approaching. So much more as you see the day approaching. And I, I see a lot going on in our world today, and it seems like the day of Christ is getting closer and closer, and the closer the Lord's day comes, is upon us, then we should be so much more exhorting one another and coming together to stir up love and good works. So I believe that the church is at its best when through agape we edify, we exhort, we comfort one another. But also, he said, as I said, I need to learn to speak distinctly. That's what Paul says here in verses 6 through 12. I'm going to read for the context. It says, but now, brethren, if I come to you speaking with tongues, what shall I profit you unless I speak to you either by revelation, by knowledge, by prophecy, or by teaching? Even things without life, whether flute or harp, when they make a sound, unless it, they make a distinction in the sound, how will it be known what is piped or played? For if the trumpet makes an uncertain sound, who will prepare himself for battle? So likewise, you, unless you utter by the tongue words easy to understand, how will it be known what is spoken? For you will be speaking into the air. There are... It may be so many kinds of languages in the world, and none of them is without significance. Therefore, if I do not know the meaning of the language, I shall be a foreigner to him who speaks, but to him who speaks will be a foreigner to me. Even so you, since you are zealous for spiritual gifts, let it be for edification of the church that you may seek to excel. Speak distinctly, Paul Desiring to bring edification, exhortation, and comfort to the Lord's church, he knew that if he spoke in tongues, if he spoke in an unknown language without an interpreter, the church could not be profited. When I was in South Sudan and spoke at the church there in Nimli, they had an interpreter for me. It's rather interesting to speak through an interpreter because it gives you time to think in between your phrases. I assume that I spoke a lot less words because someone was interpreting for me. I had to wait on him and he had to wait on me and we went back and forth. And though the sermon may have been around the same length, there were half as many words because they were spoken in two different languages uh, while they were running side by side. Without the interpreter... Only half the congregation would have understood what was being spoken to them that day. So Paul desired for the church to be edified, to be uh, exhorted, to be comforted by known words rather than words that were unknown in the gift of tongues without an interpreter. Paul spoke to them. He said either by revelation, by knowledge, by prophecy, or by teaching. He said it would be no profit, there'd be no advantage unless the words were known or understood. If 
By revelation, it speaks about this unveiling. Uh, The book of Revelation has the same word in its title itself, the unveiling of Jesus Christ, unveiling uh, the mysteries of the word of God to people and helping them understand the very word of God. To prophesy, it speaks about either foretelling of event that has not yet happened or the foretelling of the word of God. Teaching is simply to pass on knowledge through instruction. And we find Paul saying in Romans 16, 25 through 27, Now to him who is able to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery, kept secret since the world began, but now has made manifest by the prophetic scriptures made known to all nations, according to the commandment of the everlasting God, for the obedience of the faith to God alone be wise, to be glory through Jesus Christ forever. Amen. Do you get that? Through the mystery, that which God has made known to us through his word, the revelation of his word. So instruction by the scriptures, whether by revelation, by knowledge, by prophecy, by teaching, it instructs us how we ought to walk and to please God. But if we have uncertain sounds, as he spoke about the flute or the harp and the trumpet, like Jesus, Paul gives a life example to help his support his teaching here. And he, he spoke about the flute, the harp, the trumpet. We could add the guitar or the piano. If the instrument does not make its intended sound, no one will be able to understand its purpose. Paul singles out the trumpet because they would use it for the call of battle, to call the men either to go out to battle or to come back in to battle. If the trumpeter plays the wrong tune, the people will not know what to do. The soldiers won't know. Does he want us to retreat? Should we go forward? What's, what's he trying to get across? I, I don't know. It seems like he's playing Yankee Doodle Dandy. I'm not quite sure. The trumpeter has to play a distinct sound in order that the soldiers will know whether to advance or to retreat in battle. The same is true with our spoken words. Unless we speak and agreed upon language, there can be no edification, no exhortation, no comfort given to the body of Christ. And it is through and agreed upon language that we learn how we ought to walk and to please God. First Thessalonians 4.1. But he sought that we should excel. We should excel. He said that there's many kinds of languages in the world. And he said none of them were without significance. Every language has its purpose. In fact, in our world today, there are 7,117 languages spoken today. And these languages are constantly in flux because language itself is, is growing. Our language change, it moves, it ebbs and flows a bit because they're living and they're dynamic. Now, I looked this up. And they said, although there's 7,117 languages, you think, well, how in the world could we ever minister to all the different languages in the world? This article went on to say that there's half the world's population speaks 23 different languages. So if you want, my wife knows two languages. So she's ahead of me in that 
ballpark. She could minister to two different people groups of half the world's population, 23 languages. That makes it kind of small. If you want to learn a new language, there's only 23, and you could speak to half the world today. Is that too much? Getting one language down, maybe two? Paul's not saying that speaking in an unknown tongue is wrong. He's simply saying that we should be zealous towards spiritual gifts. We should strive to edify one another in order that everyone can excel in their faith. To excel means to abound, to overflow, to be abundantly furnished with or to have abundance that we should excel in our faith. Therefore, he says that we are to pursue in Romans 14, 19, pursue the things that make for peace and the things that may edify one another. And so whether we're speaking by tongue, by revelation, by knowledge, by prophecy, by teaching, we are to help the body of Christ to excel. That's the purpose that Paul is trying to get across. It's to be for the benefit of the body as a whole when we come together, when we worship together. Calvary Chapel is a fellowship of believers in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Our greatest desire is to know Christ and to be conformed into His image by the power of His Holy Spirit. If you would like more information about Calvary Chapel, or if you would like a copy of today's message, please contact us at 847-265-0646. That's 847-265-0646. Thank you so much for joining us today. And may the Lord richly bless you as you worship him today.